quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But three brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Hello, and welcome to Dawn of Mantis. Mysteries, true crime, and more. True crime, mysteries, and more. Ivan, Joe, and Sam. How is everyone today? Good. Good. Great. Just getting that out of the way, making sure no one's got any dirty laundry to air or anything like that. No grievances, no complaints. Kick them on the up. Kick them on the down. Yeah, there you go. There you go, Mr. Henley. I hate that song. What? Yeah, you, you don't wait, like that? I, wait, I hate wait. that song. Okay, let's get to the bottom of this. Why I don't you it. like that yeah, song? I don't Which know. It's just you? one of those that that hits me in the wrong way. I what just... about Boys of Summer? What are you going to say about I love that Boys of oh, okay, Summer. Okay, me too. Love Boys of Summer. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Is wait. that oh, dirty Sam's still got a problem with that. Yeah, I've got, I'm a little hurt here. <laughs> because <laughs> I'll be somewhere in the middle. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I don't um, like it. I do not like it. It's like Werewolves of London. It just has something about it okay. that just hits I'm going to be the mediator. You guys battle this out, and if, okay. it, if you hit below the belt, I'm going to I'm going to come after you. Okay, guys. I'm just Sam I'm going to give you Joe. I'm going to give you the first five seconds of the oh, song. Please don't. You don't even like the. Oh, Joe, he's like ahead. the kid that doesn't want to eat the broccoli. He doesn't <laughs> want to try it. Oh, okay. What about that? You hear that? Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> I'm, I'm like amazed here. Wait for the more dead, than five. Dead. wait for the keys to like come in. Part? No, I hate oh, it. Yeah. Absolutely hate it. It's like it's like Werewolves of Summer and Mustang Sally or Werewolves of London. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, wow, oh, I'm leaning towards Sam. I'm feeling this. Sam didn't talk me into he it. He says dirty laundry like 15 uh, times. Well, yes, it's the the dirty laundry. Nope. Okay, stop. That's enough. I'm I'm shocked right now. Yeah, Sam's like, get the hell out of my studio. You are no longer welcome. <laughs> it's it's probably not like one of my favorites, but it's still, I think, got a good groove and a good jam. It just okay, feels yeah. corny to me. Okay. I could I I don't agree with that, but I could see it. Okay. Does that make any sense? Here's one yeah. thing I will agree with with you is they could have cut at least a good minute and a half off the back end of the song because yeah. they just keep repeating yeah. the same thing. But I dig the first part of it. Hey, on a more positive note, yeah. I will tell you, one time Joe was at my house and I was telling this story the other day. We were just playing all the 80s covers on the guitar and just singing around. Yeah. And we played uh, uh, St. Elmo's Fire. Oh my god! And do you remember when we got to the when we got to the course? We were just laughing because we didn't get it. Do you remember the lyrics? No, I don't. Uh, okay, gonna be your man in motion. All I need is a pair of wheels. Take me where my future's lying. Saint Elmo's fire. So we were laughing so hard at that. We we're like, what could he ever mean? Like, all I need is a pair of wheels. 
I don't know. We were just thought that was the funniest thing ever. And there's a lot of lyrics in these old lady songs where you're like, what are you even talking about? You broke the boy in me, but you won't break the man. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are you saying? What, what is this song about? I don't even know. The movie's terrible. The song's great. But when you read the lyrics, it's... Uh, yeah. I'm down with all the 80s Rat Pack movies, ex- Rat Pack movies, except for St. Elmo's Fire. It's, yeah. That's a, that's a steaming nugget of dog shit. Yeah, it really is. It's horrific. Yeah. I don't even remember that movie. It is. I don't think you're really right. Unwatchable it. is the word. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. The only reason I think ladies watch it is because there's like a 12 minute scene of Rob Lowe shirtless playing that fucking stupid saxophone. Oh, there is? Doing that scene. <laughs> hmm. I gotta go, guys. Joe, do we have an episode? Oh, wait, you left us on a cliffhanger, you son of a... I did. Yeah. The last we spoke, the last we left you a week ago, we had just revealed that old C.A. Roberts was slinging dick everywhere in his church. <laughs> Man, that's a recap. Gosh. <laughs> Last <laughs> time on Donna Mantis, <laughs> CA was slinging. Uh, yeah, that's a great way to tie it, package it up. He literally was. Put a little was. bow on it. Mm-hmm. After the murder of the Sims family. He may have even did that himself. <laughs> <laughs> he could have. Yeah, how many was it? Do you remember? No, but I just remember it said a lot of <laughs> women it. called in to say, like, this is my alibi. It wasn't me. All these, he was sleeping with a large group of women in his congregation. But, Joe, does that make him a murderer? No. Or is he just, yeah. It makes him a pimp. Okay. A pimp daddy. No. I don't know what it makes him. But he could be a murderer. We're not saying he's not. But it doesn't necessarily make him one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A cheater and a murderer, two very different things. That's right. Very good. Uh, I used to, I knew an old man named Jamie. I won't say his last name. But one of his sayings that I, that always stuck with me was one of my favorite sayings. Like if he was a like a, a metal worker, he was always welding and stuff. And if he was working with something that was really hard, <laughs> he would always say, "Man, that's harder than a preacher's pecker." That's what he would always harder okay. than a preacher's pecker. Okay. So I think he may have been channeling old C. A. Roberts when he was oh. talking about that. I thought you were going to say he said, "If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying." <laughs> I thought that's, I, and that's not even a joke. I'm not even trying to be funny. I just. For some reason, thought you were going to say he said that. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I don't That's know why. Very strange. Yeah, I've heard people say that. Really? They're talking about sports. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So we are now going to carry on with part two, the final part of the Muriel Court murders, All the right. finale. You guys ready? Yes. yes. Now you feel free to jump in any old time. Okay. All right. We're going to get into some crazy shit, and I want to know what y'all think about this. I normally just sat back and listen all the episodes. <laughs> My quietest one, I wasn't even here, and Lonnie Combs called it out. I Lonnie! Shouldn't say his last name, but Lonnie nailed it. Lonnie nailed it. And for you, Lonnie, sir, we are going to uh, send you some Dawn of Mantis stickers. Yep. That's what you've won. I'm going to spray my cologne on them. <laughs> we should all spray our cologne on those stickers, and it'll you smell should. like us. Yes. They're talking about the April Fool's episode. Yes. Yeah, it, there's some context. Did we, Yeah, because we revealed that last yes. episode. Yeah. Um, but I can't really give Lonnie's page a shout-out. He's an artist because it's his last name. So then we will have given his first and last name. Well, if, we? if his page is his name, he, I guess we can give his name. Okay, it's Combs Studio. C-O-M-B-S. Combs Studios. And that little section right there, Sam, we would like to, I'd like to label Editing Nightmare. (laughs) 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 Sorry. (laughs) We should mention his name. No, we can't. Okay. I think we can. It's, this is so ironic. 
This was literally sent at 7.35, 24 minutes ago. Lonnie himself said, mentioning my page would be great. I'm trying to get my art out there more. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? A little, a little too, too ironic. ironic. So there you go. Combs Studio. He's a, a massively t- uh, talented artist. He is a massively talented artist. We're going to send him headshots, and he's going to do a Dawn of Mantis project for us. Yes. Uh, so thank you for that, Lonnie. And then we're going to send you some stickers. Yes, he'll make us look better, too. So, yeah, Lonnie is the one who cracked the code. He literally, within six hours of the episode being posted, he he uh, messaged us on Instagram and said, is it that Ivan's gone? <laughs> uh, yeah, and it doesn't show, uh, bode well for my intelligence because I was like, oh, people are going to need a couple weeks to figure this out, guys. No one's going to figure it out in the first week. Six hours. Six hours. <laughs> that's, how, that's how good I am at judging things like that. <laughs> Super smart. Okay, continue on. All right, so back to uh, Muriel Court Part 2. It would turn out, like it so often does, that C.A. Roberts was not quite the angelic pillar of the community that he portrayed himself to be. Oh, really? Turns out this spotless man of God had one very large weakness. I said weakness. (laughs) Did he say penis? Sweetness. There's an old rap song. Sweetness is my weakness. Give it to me. Give it to me. I can't remember who sings it. Oh, those are... You know what? Call it... uh, 4174 Mantis. Those are wholesome lyrics for a rap song. Sweetness is my weakness. It may not be totally, it may not be totally rap, but it's R&B, I think. So yeah, his very large weakness was women. Sweetness. The opposite sex. That slender, soft, curvy form that is the kryptonite to all of us, isn't it? Yes. He had been sleeping with all kinds of women in and out of his congregation, using his status and charisma, and often the church facilities to aid in his schemes. As church secretary Helen no doubt was aware of at least some of this, not to mention a rumor that the horny holy man had tried to seduce her as well, but he had failed the horny holy man. I I like that. Out of this, a theory developed that perhaps Helen had seen enough, and that is why she had suddenly resigned her post. And perhaps this had caused Pastor Roberts to suspect she may go public with what she knew and bring his whole world crashing down. You know what? I should say this. This is important. You shouldn't be into shady stuff because if there's ever a murder anywhere around you, that shady stuff's going to come out. Yeah. Because they're going to investigate and they're, yeah. you know, they're not looking for that, but they're going to find it. Yep. You know? Oh, well, well, you know, just to make sure you're not the murderer, we need to get your phone and look through your text messages. Yeah. Oh, not good. Oh, turns out you have an OnlyFans where you post videos of you sitting on cake. <laughs> you Wow, you made $2,400 a month doing that. Not yeah. bad. Yeah, we can't get you for murder, but... <laughs> That thing was illegal that you did. Or it's going to come out to your friends and family. So, yeah. Well, right away, police began to look into his whereabouts on the night of the murders and immediately hit a snag, like Sam pointed out in the last episode, as team chaplain C.A. Roberts was at the game at Doak Campbell Stadium that night for the entire game. Okay. Okay. Not only were there thousands of witnesses in the stands to verify this, the game was also televised and there, plain as day on the sidelines throughout the entire first and second half, was Pastor Roberts. Pretty decent alibi. That's a good damn yeah. alibi. He's lucky. He's lucky he did that. Lucky he didn't just like go for a walk to collect his thoughts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go for a hike tonight. I need some me time. Like, oh, you better hope there's not a murder. Ooh, you're going to be in jail. Uh, another thing, don't go for walks by yourself. There could be a murder. <laughs> Maybe that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> As
As the air was let out of their sails, another tip came in. Apparently, the pastor had dropped off the radar during halftime. Uh-oh. Yes. Even better, someone else came forward to claim that Roberts was wearing different clothing when he returned for the second half. Oh, that's not good. Could he have rushed to the Sims residence, committed the murders, and changed clothes and made it back in time for the game to resume? The short answer is no. Although 641 Muriel Court is only three miles from Doak Campbell Stadium, that's still a 10-minute drive with zero traffic. Mm -hmm. A college football game uh, has a halftime of about 20 minutes on average, so at best, Roberts could have only uh, had time to race to the Sims' home turn around in the driveway and race right back to the stadium. And even then he barely would have made it. Yeah. So there is no way in hell he had time to tie up the family, murder them, change clothes and get back in 20 minutes. Yeah. This begs the next question. Did he have someone do it for him? Okay. The ball game was an airtight alibi. So did he purposefully choose that night to have someone else commit the murders for him? This question was undoubtedly on the minds of the pastor's multiple lovers as they flooded the PD with calls insisting that they were not involved. I wonder if they know if he went to games a lot. You know, that'd be something. I don't know. Of course, if he... it doesn't disprove the alibi. You're right, but but that's a good point. If yeah. he was never at a full game before or after, and all of a sudden this one night he's at the whole game, that's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And what is he walking around and be like, hey... Are you glad to see me here? You know, shaking people's hands. Hey, remember. Remember that I talked oh, to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> remember. Remember my name. C-A. Yeah. I wonder how one would find that out. Was he normally at the games for yeah, the entirety of the game? That's yeah, a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Damn. Uh, it's still, it still doesn't help because if it's just the one game, you know, I don't know if it really helps that much. Yeah. It just looks shady. Still an alibi. It's still an alibi. Yeah. Alibi. I don't know. It's that alibi. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> Well, they obviously believed he could have been capable of putting someone up to it and were trying to get ahead of the game by calling in their alibis, these ladies that called in. Sure. In the end, no direct link between C.A. Roberts and the murderers were ever established, though even all these years later, some suspect he could have put someone up to it. But it's just a who-the-hell-knows type deal. Yep. Most of our cases fall under that category. Yeah. That's okay, because mysterious. We have It's in the title. But, you know, all around, it makes for a good podcast. A horny pastor. Oh, yeah. Just slaying vag <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I know. I don't know way. why. <laughs> you, sir, have a way with words. <laughs> You're not beating around I, the bush, are you? I think that might be the first non-F word. I'm going to have to bleep. No, don't bleep it. Uh, I wasn't beating around the bush, but C.A. Roberts was. Oh. He was beating every bush in the congregation. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> What is it about this pastor that had these ladies, a man of God? I just can't imagine. Uh, well, first off, I can't imagine being a lady because I'm not a lady. But I, I can't imagine sitting and seeing a, a preacher, you know, preach the word of God and just like. Well, just hey, like, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. I mean, confidence is sexy. And that's ultimate confidence, getting up in front of a, every, a bunch of people every week delivering those. I mean, so I'm, I would imagine a lot of times that's the case where damn yeah even though they wouldn't say like i think my pastor is sexy <laughs> i think my pastor is <laughs> sexy just the same thing. he really turns me on yeah, yeah. when he's behind the pulpit dabbing his forehead with that little handkerchief he keeps in his back pocket <laughs> 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 
I just can't imagine that, you know, he's up there like, in the eyes of God, and some lady being like, put out the wet floor signs. Jesus. <laughs> he is on fire today. I'd wear that boy like a scrunchie, you know? It's weird. But I'd never really be on fire because he won't, he's not going to hell. <laughs> That's what I like about him. <laughs> I don't understand it. I just think, I really think it's that. I mean, it's, not anyone can just get up there every every week. I mean, that's quality mate material right there. So speaking of, uh, let me take an opportunity here quickly to to piss off every female listener we have. Go ahead. Isn't it weird how women though, like like with rock stars, like the most butt ass ugly rock stars, can just stack up <laughs> girls like cordwood and just knock them out. Like they've got women falling all over them because the, it's like what they do completely supersedes their looks. Like Mick Jagger, well, I love him to death. But I think if he wasn't, if he was just like, if he was just delivering for Schwans, if he was just like delivering ice cream, you know, yeah, like, here's yeah, your, here's your Rocky saying. Road. I don't think he would have women just piled in piles, just begging them. Well, so since Joe, you gave me this opportunity to, to jump on the ladies' side and have actually look like a hero. Because they're looking more than looks. They're looking at the way they make them feel. The way he makes me feel. The way he makes anyway, me feel. So that so it's less superficial because it's like, hey, he, he is an ugly guy, but he makes me feel so good, right? <laughs> like on the on the like like you know, it makes my heart go pitter patter. So it's like they would probably say like, yeah, I mean, you could think of looks, but we're going we're going uh, you know deeper than looks. We're going like charisma and personality. You know what? And, like, I stand corrected. No, I'm just no, I'm not. No, trying. I do. I there do. wasn't even debate. A debate. I, sometimes I just explain the other side's case, even if I believe it or not. I've been doing that for years. <laughs> if you haven't picked up on it, no, I have. It's great. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, that's but you're right. Same. And that's, I mean, for the ladies, I'm gonna. No, you're there. right because you know what? I we literally... haven't had a lady in here in about six or eight months. <laughs> they refuse. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. They don't. We just don't ask them. You're right, though. My mind goes back to about 15 years ago when I first met my my wife, and she was way out of my league. And you're right. I totally get it now. It's like I was funny enough. I yeah. was I was enough in other avenues to detract from my very obvious lack of physical attraction. Yeah, but you're not Keith Richards or something. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> no, come on. Look at you me. I don't swag. have eyebrows, and I have a mole on my nose. And uh, a receding hairline. Of course, I didn't 15 years ago, though. I, I was better looking Yeah, then. see? Yeah. yeah. So maybe my argument's not good. I've and never w- been great looking, but I was less I was less off-putting 15 okay. years ago. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. I feel like I was, too. Less off-putting. Quiet your mind. The next suspect, was what I really meant to say, Okay, was a guy named Robert Howells. And he, too, came to the attention of the police in an odd way. He had married a woman named Peggy on December 21st, 1966. Hey, Peggy. Just <laughs> He was not a propane salesman. Oh. Just two months after the Sims murders, what Peggy could not have known at the time was that she had just married a troubled and very violent man who also had a problem with alcohol. Mm. According to her, on the day after their wedding, on October 22nd, 1966, as the couple were driving to Alligator Point for their honeymoon. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. So, sounds romantic. And, uh, let's go down to Alligator Point and sleep on the bank right next to the river. Rob turned to her and began confessing to the murder of the Sims family. Whoa. So it's like, hey, you know how just a little bit ago we got married? I murdered a bunch of people. I just wanted yeah. to tell you that. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, something you could have told me yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah, there you go. Adam Sandler. Very nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. He recalled that night uh, to her in graphic detail, claiming he murdered little Joy first while her parents watched. Shit. Then turned his attention to Helen before finally killing Robert. The thing is, Peggy didn't come forward with this information at the time. No doubt scared of the repercussions if she did. She's so I married a knife murderer. <laughs> nice. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, now she's got to live with this asshole. Yeah. So she's scared to confess for him. Don't you think that that'd be a pretty good reason for an annulment? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, would think a judge... The, within the next day and you find that out, I yeah. think you could get that one annulled. I wouldn't think you'd have a judge that'd be reading through that and be like, yeah, you know what, though? I think you should stick it out. I mean... <laughs> Talk about talk about being. Are you so pretentious? Yeah, pretentious or picky that or, you're going to abandon your marriage just because your husband murdered a family? That's right. Yeah, you bitch, get out of my courtroom. What is wrong with you? This is why half of all marriages end in divorce because no one wants to stick it out and work it through. Yeah, everyone makes mistakes, yeah. and if you can't accept someone's mistakes, yeah. an affair here, a murdered family there, yeah. Are you going to let that stand in the way? Of your That's marriage? right. Don't let it stand in the way now. I like it. <laughs> okay. So when the story did come to the sheriff's attention, it was in the mid-80s. So 20 years after the murders, and also after Peggy had finally left Rob uh, Howell. So she, she didn't oh, really... Oh, so she did leave him. For, she did leave him. But not for that. Not for that, no. Uh, he just wouldn't take out the trash. He just... <laughs> oh, yeah, the murder. Yeah. The murderers. Oh, yeah. That's another reason I should leave you. You know, I can live with a couple murders. But if the toilet seat being up for the 20 past goddamn years, I'm done, Robert. I'm out. I, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this no more. Regardless, Rod was still alive at the time, so police asked Peggy if she'd help them set him up and try to catch a confession. Oh, nice. She agreed, and her phone and house were bugged, and it was uh, fitted with a recording device, and she reached out to Rob to try to get him to cover, I'm sorry, to come over and uh, hopefully elicit a confession. So it's all set up. Oh, wow. She's going to be like, how you'd ever... Remember that time you murdered all them people? We didn't talk about that. I don't know how. Could you sit by that lamp? <laughs> Lean that <in>. new one? <laughs> However, the plan uh, fell on its face when somehow his daughter became aware of the operation and she called her dad and, and told him about it. Oh, no. Yeah. That's how that fell through. I don't know how wonder, she fell. Yeah, well, yeah, that's weird. Undaunted, Peggy then showed up uh, with the weapon she says her husband used to commit the murders. Wow, had it off there all that time. Yes, but there was a problem. She had brought a 32 caliber pistol, and the weapon used was uh, a 38 caliber. Everyone knew that by that time. So that couldn't be the murder weapon. Mm. Another dead end. Plus, there was never any clear motive as to why Rob Howells would have wanted to murder the Sims family. One rumor briefly circulated that he had a confrontation with Helen in a supermarket and had killed them in retaliation, but this story was never verified. Hmm. Wow. Rob took and passed a polygraph test, which is... Yeah. Yeah. And none of the prints found at the scene matched his. Many believe that Peggy was simply trying to get revenge on her ex-husband for all the years of hell he'd put her through, and ultimately Rob Wells was scratched off the list of suspects. Plausible. You know, without knowing anything else about it. Yeah, to me, it just sounds... I mean, come on. 
He bumped into Helen at a grocery store, and they got into an altercation, and he went back that night and murdered her and her family. She took the last Land of Lakes butter. <laughs> it's the only kind I can have. Yeah. I'm allergic to the others. Everyone knows Country Croc gives me diarrhea. <laughs> I've got to have the Land of Lakes, you bitch. Yeah, that's what... <laughs> oh, you're going to pay for this. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> she had 16 items in the 15-item or less line. Yeah. Death. <laughs> Let's go on to the next suspect. Let's go. This guy's name is Tommy Fulgham. He was 16 years old at the time of the murders and attended Leon High School with two older Sims girls. What's more, the Fulgham family lived on Marybeth Avenue, just a short walk from the Sims residence. Okay. So they're very interconnected. The night of the crime, the police had knocked on the Fulgham's door and interviewed everyone in the house. That is, except Tommy. He was not at home that evening and his parents were not sure where he was. Well, officers attempted to pin Tommy down several more times to get an interview. They never did. Tommy finished out uh, school at Leon High and joined the Navy after graduation. Wait a sec. They just never got a chance to... They just to... never talked to him. Uh, I got to riff on that a little bit. Go ahead, go ahead. It's as simple as this. Like, oh, man, we just couldn't get it together on that. We were going to have the play date with Becky Sue down the road. We just never could get our schedules <laughs> together. Never Take a car by and pick them up. Question them. I'm sorry. That's silly. I'm sorry. That's like losing evidence. I'm getting mad here. I'm getting hot. I can hear the guy talking to a superior. Listen, I knocked on the boy's door twice, yeah. and he weren't home. I mean, what the hell else you want me to do? And he's yeah. like, yeah, I understand. We would have got that son of Sam guy. We knew it was him, but he's never home. We left a little thing, you know, while you were out, you know. We're, we're wanting to talk to you. Oh, man, we can't, if we can't find him, how can we prosecute him? How can him? we prosecute him? Yeah. I knocked on his door. He was at school. What the hell am I supposed to do? Yeah. Oh, we, we could call him out of school? Well, then he might get a bad grade on the algebra test. Yeah. You want huh. no monster? I don't know. It's just all of that. And then he went off to the Navy. So by the time he was in school, he is that what you're about to say? He got into the Navy and left and they never got a chance? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That makes me so mad. Yeah. Without knowing any of the details. Sorry. I, I hope I'm not alone here, right? No, you're not. And it's going to get way worse. Okay. Way worse, sir. Man. <laughs> Scheduling conflict. <laughs> Maybe so, yeah. he didn't do it, but I'm just saying. Well, he joined the Navy. Well, now we'll never find yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if there, we, what are we going to do? Call the Navy and ask where he's at? You don't do that. That's the Navy. That's yeah. rude. Out on the open sea, going port to port, sleeping with women, getting tattoos. He's a Navy man now. We yeah. can't find him. Yeah, he's serving our country. Are you not patriotic? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they knock on the door a couple times. He's not home. So they're just like, well, scratch his name off. So he graduates, he goes to the Navy. He was eventually honorably discharged, honorably, so I don't know what happened, really. And by all accounts, his military service was exemplary, if you look at his, his record. Okay. Honorable discharge. Then, sometime around the mid-70s, Tommy began to suffer from some sort of mental illness. Okay. He became completely obsessed with religion, mysticism, and life forces, and was especially focused on the concept of Satan possessing people. Mm. Okay. So he had some issues. Okay. He eventually even feared that he was possessed by Satan. And to save himself and the world from the Prince of Darkness, Tommy Fulgham decided a sacrifice had to be made. Uh-oh. The following is courtesy of justialaw.com. That's J-U-S-T-I-A-L-A-W.com. Okay. 
Fulgham murdered Dale Perney. Dale Perney is a female, by the way. On July 9th, 1979, around 10 p.m. that night, Fulgham was discovered, quote, just standing outside the apartment complex and clutching a quart jar containing one of Perney's internal organs. He was covered in blood. He requested an ambulance and said that, quote, something bad happened. Yeah. (laughs) I'd say so. Fulgham told the ambulance attendant that, quote, pain proves one's love for God, end quote, referring to the finger he had severed from his own left hand. Hmm. Fulgham did not respond to Officer Thurman Williams' questions, but Officer Williams followed the trail of blood and found Perney's body. Blood was scattered all over the apartment, and a sliding glass door was broken. Officer Williams found Perney in the bedroom. She lay disemboweled. All of her organs were out from her genital area to her windpipe. That's what, it, that's what the article said. A 12-inch butter knife was stuck in the unclothed upper part of her body. Some of Perney's internal organs were found in the bathtub. Other pieces were on the floor of the kitchen and living room. A plate with food had been placed six to eight inches from her head. Two days later, Fulgham's finger was found in the apartment. The autopsy showed that 44 separate stab wounds in the trunk and chest caused Bernie's death. Are you saying it was pretty bad? (laughs) Or I think that's what you're getting. Don't beat around the bush. Tell us what really happened. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Wow. It could not be determined whether the stab wounds had made... Uh, had been made with deliberation or frenzy. I don't, this is just what the article said. <laughs> I don't, was this deliberate or was he in a frenzy? Who gives a shit? He stabbed her, <laughs> what, 44 times? Anyway, <laughs> it was estimated to have taken 15 minutes to an hour to stab the victim and remove the organs. Hmm. News of the brutal slaying Tommy had committed, what? 15 minutes to an hour. Yeah, that's a pretty wide, yeah. yeah. Took, you know, anywhere from... 15 minutes, maybe an hour. <laughs> if someone that's, what? if someone, uh, if, if someone out there that hasn't left a review yet, as a favor to me, if you could leave us a review that says, not sure if this podcast is deliberate or more of a frenzy, <laughs> I would love for those words to be, and then you could write down good things about us, but, but that would be kind of cool. Yeah. It would be like a little inside. Joke. And leave a five star. And leave five stars. Whatever you yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Someone do that. I don't know. I just, when you said that, I was like, that comes, sounds like us. <laughs> Is what part's deliberate? deliberate and what's just some kind of frenzy there? <laughs> That's a good, yeah. 15 For, minutes to an hour. Sums us up in a nutshell. 15 minutes to an hour. Hey, how long does it take to get up to Bob's house? Well, 15 minutes to an hour. Are you walking or driving? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm biking. Oh, 25. 25. <laughs> so, yeah, uh... News of the brutal slaying Tommy had committed reached Tallahassee, and officers decided to take another look at him for the Sims case. Maybe we should have knocked on his door a third time, they said to themselves. You know, I got a hunch now. (laughs) Didn't have it before, now I have it. There might not be something right with this boy. We've already stated that he lived just a stone's throw away at the time uh, from the Sims. And was unaccountable. 15 minutes to an hour. (laughs) (laughs) That's a callback, and I love it. <laughs> However, several of Tommy's acquaintances were interviewed and claimed that Tommy was with them at a party on the night of the murders. Also, when his prints were compared to the ones at the scene, they did not match. 
Uh, there's also zero evidence that he ever suffered from any mental issues or violent tendencies prior to the 70s. Yeah. Uh, a decade after the murders. Uh, with this, Tommy Fulgham was also removed from the list. So had issues, definitely, but probably did not uh, kill the Sims. That's one of those ones, though. You remove him from the list, but then you're kind of like, eh. Well, hopefully they still picked him up for the other murder he committed. <laughs> We let him go for that one because we couldn't find anything on the old one. <laughs> That's awesome. So next comes Vernon Fox and Mary Charles LaJoy. Okay? Guilty. <laughs> the following suspects came in a pair and to this day have never been cleared. These are two people that were not cleared and okay. have still not been cleared. Okay. They were, like I just said 14 seconds ago, Mary Charles LaJoy, a.k.a. Charlie, that's what we'll call her, and her boyfriend, Vernon Fox. So, Charlie and Vernon were teenagers at the time of the murders. Okay. Uh, they were dating, and they both lived in close proximity to the Sims residence. Mm -hmm. In fact, the back corner of Vernon's mom and dad's property touched the back corner of the Sims property. That close. They touched hips. Okay. I was waiting on that. Yeah, you <laughs> And Mary Charles' family lived only four doors down from Vernon's. So they're all right there. Okay. Mary Charles was adopted and, according to her, suffered terrible abuse from her parents. Years of this treatment had psychologically damaged her, and by the mid-60s, she was obsessed with death. She used to visit the Beavis Sutherland Funeral Home. <clears throat> Thank you. And almost daily, asking <laughs> questions, trying to view bodies, and finally, Russell had to ban her from the premises. Wow. So this weird, creepy little, this was pre-goth, this was the 60s. Yeah, she kept showing, be goth back then. Yeah, and she, and, you know, she probably had like a beehive and a pencil skirt, but he was like, little gal, you got to get the hell out of here, creeping me out. You keep trying to see the bodies, you're asking me questions, you're freaking weird. Yeah. He's like, you should be chewing bubblegum and listening to the Beatles and daydreaming about how you're going to serve your husband when you get married. Yes. That's what girls did in the 60s. Go, go put something in your hope chest and leave me alone. There we go. <laughs> it's a whole set of doilies. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, she gets banned from there because she's showing up too much, getting, getting everyone freaked out. And that was when she began breaking in after hours okay. to the funeral home. And she would steal funeral shrouds to sleep in. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. In fact, no one wanted to room with her at Madison uh, Junior College where she was going to school because she creeped everyone out. Vernon was around her age and was also in junior college. He had joined the Air Force right out of high school, but they had discharged him within months, citing mental health issues. Vernon's father taught at FSU and was one of the head criminologists in the country, but was also an alcoholic, a fairly unapologetic adulterer and verbally abusive to Vernon and his mother. Dang. Mm-hmm. Vernon had known Mary Charles since elementary school. Throughout her early life, uh, he was her only friend. And that friendship turned romantic as they entered their teens. You know, because you get all the hormones going. Sure. You get the burning down your loins. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, you're in the back of a fucking 48 Ford Fairlane listening to Bobby Darren knocking it out. That's what happens. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, gangster. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> However, her parents did not care for Vernon, and his parents did not care for Mary Charles. So they Romeo have a and Juliet oh, scenario makes it even hotter. The Capulets and the Montagues. That's right. When your parents yeah. hate each other, it makes it even hotter. Yes. They were both questioned directly after the murders and claimed that they had went to the theater and watched a couple of movies, then went home directly after. So that was their alibi. But after that initial interview, both their stories began to change. The times they left the movie, where they went after, what they did before, their stories never matched up again. The couple eventually got married, but divorced in 1986 after 
Charlie had threatened Vernon's life. So she was still freaking nuts, even in the 80s. Okay. At that time, she was awarded a house, a car, and Vernon was ordered to pay alimony. So I guess a wife can threaten to murder her f***ing husband and get the house, the car, and get paid alimony. Yeah. That sounds fair. Maybe it was hearsay, though, you know? I just to <laughs> grab the other side again, Could like I do sometimes. Okay. But you're yeah. right. I mean, if she... If she really did that, yeah, she didn't deserve that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm with you. Threatened him. Threatened his life. Yeah. So he was forced to pay alimony for a year. I left that part out. And when that year was up, Mary Charles filed for an extension because she won't have money, right? That's right. Them daughter bills. Which the judge rejected. Mm-hmm. Immediately following this, Mary placed a call back to Tallahassee and asked to speak with the officer working the Sims murders. All these years later... It was still the first officer on the scene that night, Larry Campbell. Wow. Dang. 20 years later, Larry Campbell's still working it. Wow. That's crazy. In October of 1987, 21 years after the murders, Mary Charles paid a visit to Larry. What followed was a carefully crafted line of statements and questions from Mary Charles that amounted to an elaborate confession. Almost. Her statements were all like, quote, what if we had done this or that? Or, quote, what would happen to me if I did this or that? It was really bizarre. Kind of like OJ's book, If I Did It. If I did it, I would have done this. Yeah. But that's what happened. So yeah, this is a bizarre, almost confession. According to her, a week before the murders, Vernon had been caught peeping at Little Joy, and Robert Sims was the one who caught him. Okay. She said that she was afraid Vernon was going to get in trouble and be sent away, So, uh, and then she would lose her only friend. And that's a little bit sad. Uh, except for her only friend is a pedophile, apparently, if he's peeping at a 12-year-old girl. Right. A little bit elaborate, though. I mean, that's crazy that he would be doing that. But from that straight to murder, <laughs> like in a graphic, yeah, you know, no expert. It's a I'm not trying to be an expert. Yeah. Like a cheater does not a murderer make, neither does a pedophile. That's murder. right, yeah. We're, There's just different levels of shitty people. Yeah, that's right. Pretty much. Well, Charlie claimed they entered the house and Vernon committed the murders, but was careful not to implicate herself. Okay. She made several claims as to uh, why he may have did what he'd done. Uh, maybe he feared they would report his peeping at Joy. Maybe he was doing it to spite his father. This is Vernon committing the murders. Maybe he was doing it to impress Charlie, but she was just weird enough that that mm. is something that may have impressed her. I don't know. Her long and rambling interview mainly seemed to be her testing to see what information the police had and to indirectly find out what would happen to her if she did confess to being involved. Oh, but she even asked at the end of the interview, quote, what would happen if I confessed? What would they do with me? And when Campbell suggested that she be put in a mental hospital, she proceeded to ask if she herself could claim the $10,000 reward and use it to put herself in a better psychiatric hospital. I don't think it works want, that all, way. She wants all the cards on the table, right? Yes. It's yeah. ridiculous. This interview is on YouTube, by the way. The whole interview. Wow. Is on YouTube. Ultimately, Mary Charles provided no new or unknown information to verify her story and never really did fully commit to a confession. So it was just a little tease. Hmm. She did lose Campbell's attention when she kept inquiring about the reward money as well. Hmm. So here's the deal. There are a few things that do back up her story. According to the videotaped interview, she drew an accurate floor plan of the Sims home for Officer Campbell. Okay. Also, old police records showed that while Vernon was in town, peeping Tom complaints in that area did go up. And while he was gone, like such as his months he spent at the Air Force, they virtually stopped. Okay. 
I mean, it, it's not conclusive, but it doesn't look good for Vernon. Yeah. And Vernon has changed his story multiple times over the years, adjusting his statements from 1966 to 89 to 2016 to fit the various versions of events of that night. I okay. watched a couple of his, conf- uh, not confessions, I watched a couple of his... <laughs> Freudian slip. No kidding. That's what- your guy, I think. I think you think that, yeah, I think you like mm, him for it. A little bit. Okay. But there is, you can, also on YouTube, you can find a few of his interviews where he talks about, uh, what, the last one is in 2016, that he, where he talks about that. Night. Okay. But again, there's no solid evidence placing him or Mary Charles at the scene that night. So Larry Campbell ends the interview by telling Mary Charles to go home, think things over, and come back when she was really ready to give him something tangible. He says, quote, it took you 20 years to call me the first time. Maybe this time it won't take so long. Well, she never did call back. Mm. So as of right now, the most viable suspects seem to be the two who were never cleared, and that would be Vernon Fox and Mary Charles LaJoy. But without any further evidence, it is unlikely they will ever be charged. I'm pretty sure that Vernon is still alive, but not so sure about Mary Charles. She was born in 1947, so she'd be 75 right now, which is totally possible Mm -hmm. to still be alive. It's been over 55 years since Robert, Helen, and Joy Sims were murdered, and the case remains unsolved. Who do you think did it? I don't think there's enough for them. I think that it's too much of a jump. I feel like whoever it is isn't any of them. You know? Not even the Navy dude? I don't know. I mean, he's probably my favorite one out of them. Tommy but I mean, the, the, the fingerprints didn't match. I know that's not shut case or whatever. It's something though. And how likely would it be that he would do, like, he would commit that gruesome of a murder at 16 and then nothing else again for like 10, 15 years? Yeah, I was years. thinking that when you were reading it. I don't know. I mean, it's possible it happens, but yeah. Dennis Rader would go years at a time without sure. killing and then would do again. I mean, I, it's not typical. Any other, it just seems like there would be some other suspects of like maybe they're further away, like a traveling type killer, you know? I'm with you. I think the real murderer or murderers, has never been interviewed. I don't think it's any of the people we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, out of all of them, you're right, Sam. That's my favorite one. But for some reason, I don't like them for it. I don't know why. I didn't either, and that's weird, because considering, like, her body parts in a jar, like Tommy Fulgham, what he did to Dale Perney, is horrific. So he was definitely capable of it, but was he capable of it when he was 16? I don't know. It's just the 16 thing that gets me for some reason. Even though we have plenty of killers that have been that young... Um, I don't know. What do you people think out there in podcast land? What are you thinking? 4174 Mantis. Could it have up. been an absolutely random act where someone just saw that house and went in? And I, I don't know. I have no real uh, opinion there. Yeah, I don't either. Man, that one doesn't look good for, to ever be solved, though. No, it doesn't. Sadly, too I much don't time. Think that one's a lost cause, I think. I just don't think there's enough there. That That's a good one, and that would be a good one for that the Unsolved Mysteries the new series or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it would be. I think a new season of that's coming out. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I'll check it I out. I said that. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. I mean, it got crazy there for a while, but but good episode. Well, thank y'all for listening very much. Yeah. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much. And you guys have a good day, good night, good evening, whatever the time and uh, case may be. Have a good eye, mate. And we'll see you next time.